Hey guys, thank you so much for tuning back in. I know I've been gone for two weeks. This girl has gone through a little bit of a depression, a little bit of no space, and a little bit of a toddler having temper tantrums. So I am very, very sorry if you tried to catch me these past two weeks and you couldn't find me. Yeah, I suck, but we continue. This week, I have so much to talk about, mostly because I've been gone for the two weeks. But let's start off with what's fresh in my mind right now. So I just read the New York Times article, The Bad Art Friend. It's written by Robert Kolker. And before we get into this whole article, I just have to point out that the author in New York Times were continuously being told by this person that we will be discussing, harassing them to write this story. So let me just warn you guys, like this woman who is pretty much the protagonist of it all, I guess, has decided to just continuously have people know her side of the story if there is one but let's let's start so the story starts off about dawn dorlin who is a writer and she is in these writing workshops where she gets to write alongside really well-known authors of today in like present in short stories um, and through this one junction called Grub Street is the name of their book club, I guess you would say. Their writer's workshop. Sorry guys, I'm kind of stoned and I did just read this, so bear with me. The story starts off with her background of where she's from and her story of basically donating, donating one of her kidneys. And it's like a big deal of why she did it because she did it in intentions to giving it to a stranger, not to like a close relative or a friend. She goes on to say that she had a close Facebook group of friends that she, of writers, that she would send this email, like a newsletter, each month about what she was going through while she was doing the kidney donation. At the end of it all, she did a whole huge, beautiful letter of a thank you to her friends and family who have stuck through her it all. And um, a lot of writers would, you would say, like were inspired by her letter. One of them being Sonia Larson. Sonia Larson is another pretty well-known author, I guess you would say. I don't know any of these people, guys. Like, I know I read a lot of books, but I'm not really, I guess, well-known into keeping up what's the short story of the year. Like, I get this vibe that these people annually um, get chosen, um, and I, I, I just don't follow books that way, I guess. So, Sonia Larson... A little history about her. By the way, Dawn is a white woman. Let's point that out. Uh, Sonia Larson is a woman of color. 
she's Asian. And um, so Sonia decided to take that letter and it inspired her not to write this story, but to use that letter in her story. Not to say that this, her like kidney donation and everything was inspired by her, but this particular letter that she wrote that inspired Sonia to include it in her story. But before we get to her story, I do want to point out that Dawn Dorland can, is always wanting you to know about her kidney donation to the point that she felt like when she went to a Grub Street party with other authors and writers and whatnot, she felt like nobody talked about her kidney donation transplant or whatever. Um, and you later come to find out because they all were talking about her behind her back. But anyway, after Dawn pointed out that her short story is probably prevalent to hers, that's when Sonia decided to change the letter and put it into and reworded the whole thing. Yes, it is clearly inspired by her letter, but she reworded it. And it's honestly, the story is not, has nothing, like the character is not even anything apparently like Dawn. Anyway, after three years of the short story being out and Dawn um, dismissing the story, she decided that she didn't want to read it until one day she couldn't get away from it. She said that it appeared in a magazine that she subscribes to all the time. And when she read it, she basically um, just kept thinking back into that letter and thinking that she, Sonia, has stolen a story word by word verbatim about her, like her letter basically now sonia should have she eventually does owned up to the fact that yes the letter was initially inspired by her but she also felt like she didn't need to tell people her work and especially not a close friend. She couldn't, uh, She says in the article that Larson and Dorlin are not really close as friends as Dorlin makes it appear to maybe believe be. <laughs> um, she does say that virtually these people are all her friends. So um, I guess I could understand her in that way. So all of this went to lawyers and uh, lawsuits and now subpoenas to the point that Friends got their phones and text messages subpoenaed <laughs> um, so there can be proof that like people were talking about her. I don't even know the whole point of why a lawyer would want text messages of people talking shit about their, cl their, like, their client, right? That's what it is for their lawyer. Yeah, this story is like juicy, guys. So basically, Dorlan is not stopping at this point. She wants everyone to know that her words were taken away or like reworded because they were reworded. She did, Sonia ended up changing the whole letter. But here's where she comes off a little dickish. She used one of the phrases that Dawn uses all the time 
in her emails. And that is when the whole snarkiness of back and forth started to happen. So I highly recommend you read this story. It makes Dawn look so bad, so horrible. And the fact that she wanted this story to be read and known and people to talk about saying that, like, what are you getting at, girl? Like, what do you want that you, like, have you been writing? <laughs> like, you're a writer, right? Like, how about you write about it instead of, like, luring up and harassing Sonia to the point that um, she went to three book junction festivals or whatever where Sonia was a panelist. And, like, that's kind of... I'm sorry, I would freeze too. I would feel like I'm being stalked, to be quite honest. It just sucks because Sonia's story, <laughs> like, it's funny because it's about White Savior and like, I just feel like Dawn is very, sh is showing her colors of that. And for her to blindly not see what she's doing is just so ridiculous. And what makes this story so like, jaw-dropping like I just I was you should read this New York Times article it's freaking amazing I'll let you know how it ends because you would think this thing has ended right no it hasn't Sonia has already during this meantime has already come out with another book has had a baby um is living her life but here is Dawn still holding on to this one short story that got so much attention three years ago. And yes, it's it's been a pillar more to where she is at now, I guess, for Sonia. But she has opened up to writing other stuff. Like, I think she's moved on. Um, it just shows what a Karen this person is. It's absolutely horrible. I don't think she she's blinded by what she's really doing. I love this story because it's just giving me a reminisce of Carolyn Calloway and her friend, I think her name was Natalie, who wrote about her in the cut. Um, that's what this story is given to me. And also the fact that Celeste, um, the writers of the writer of Little Fires Everywhere, has been posting these amazing threads of why Dawn is pretty much a sociopath and yes the story does not look good it's a whole big mess but you know who's really screaming it to the top of their lungs about this story no other than Dawn um, I will see if I will put the link of the New York Times article down in my description thank you for listening to that short little recap I know <laughs> I I am trying for my worst week ever it has to go to None other Chris Pratt being Mario for their upcoming animated movie. This is bizarre. First of all, I love Nintendo and I'm sorry, but Mario, just why can't you just take the voice of the video game? Like, I'm sure there's so much audio that you can use for it to be in this anime movie. We don't need a super mega Republican um, star in this movie. Charlie Day is going to be Luigi. 
I guess, I don't know. I do like the fact that Anna Taylor-Joy is going to be playing the Princess Peach. That, I think, fits perfectly. Um, Bowser with Jack Black, that is perfect, too. I can see that being worked well. But Chris Pratt, like, really? who Who's paying this guy? Like, I I don't understand people's fascination with him. Like, yes, I do miss uh, parks and recreation before we knew how horrible Chris Pratt really is <laughs> as a white male American idiot, I mean. Uh, I don't mean to call him an idiot. That's mean. I don't want to be mean. But uh, I'm just, I guess this will be for kids, right? But does, do kids still play Mario? I mean, like, Mario Kart is amazing. Super Smash Brothers, just... I know my friends are still playing them in Nintendo 64, like... And not to mention a fresh copy, like, I don't think it was ever touched. Just sold for, like, over a million dollars on eBay of the first Nintendo 64 or Super Mario, which I remember having that, I want to say it was 96, 97, or 98. I don't know. When did Nintendo 64 came out? It was, it was a big deal of the summer. I remember it had to be 98 because I got that Mariah Carey uh, number one's hit single CD that year. That sounds pretty right. Seth Rogen is playing Donkey Kong. Okay, <laughs> I guess I can see that. Fred Armisen, I've never heard of Cranky Kong, the grandfather. But then again, I wasn't such a Donkey Kong like fan as a kid. It would have been great if we had someone Italian playing these parts. I feel like it's not that hard to find an Italian actor. I mean, there's Robert De Niro, Danny DeVito. Like, I mean, we could even have Ray Liotta. Can you imagine Ray Liotta playing Super Mario? That would be fucking amazing. I would watch that, but no, we're stuck with Chris Pratt. Real quick, I want you guys to please watch. I feel like it's been everywhere, so I'm sorry if I have contributed into this as well. Watch Squid Game on Netflix. I binged it in two days. Or was it three? It was three days because I literally had a really bad nightmare the first night with the red light, green light episode. It felt, I thought it was a movie. My partner put it on and I ended up watching it and it was fucking sick. And it was something that we really needed, I think. The storyline, I like how perfect each story of the characters were told. Apparently my partner knew Spoiler alert triggers, um, I'm going to spoil uh, the show for you right now, so please pause and skip away. Um, the scene where we find out that the old man is part of the VIPs, that is crazy. Uh, Song Wu being a whole freaking villain was crazy to me in the story too but like then you kind of expect it i am super excited for season two 
I know there's been a lot of backlash of it being really violent, but I love like Korean movies, especially they do perfect in horror as well. They really know how to scare you practically and not like as a fantasy where it's like, oh, that would never happen. Like, you know, Final Destination shit. Uh, I think that's why I like the show so much. I really liked the characters. Uh, my favorite was the baddie, the girl, who um, basically was just trying to win it all for her and her brother. And yeah, that story really hit me too during the marble game. The marble episode really fucked me up, guys. Like... It's so fucked up. I think about that couple. Like, watch Squid Game, please. Do it now. Vanderpump Rules is back and I am freaking excited, baby. I loved how they didn't have to sit down and have to talk about Jax and the rest of the crew who got axed out. Yes, I do miss Kristen. Um, but I really love my Ariana this season. I feel like we're really going to see a star quality Emmy nominated character for Vanderpump and she fucking deserves it. She always has been sort of a favorite just because she was the most chillest one. Um, I'm kind of looking forward to see how Katie is this season. I mean, like, she's still annoying, but, like, Schwartz is annoying to me, too. Bubba. Bubba is so annoying. I'm sorry. Mm. <laughs> I love them. Don't get me wrong. I still want them in the show, even if I have to watch Katie sitting on the couch. I will still watch those two because, hello, Tom Tom. Tom Sandoval. I don't get why people think he's so hot. Sorry, I don't. I don't. I don't think any of these, I, the women are what really get me turned on from this cast, not the men. James is so horrible this season. I, I read those text messages that he wrote to Max and I just can't believe, uh, Max can't be on this show because you saw how honest he was towards um, James when his little people eyes. Did I call James Jax? I'm sorry, guys. I mean, like, I didn't mean that to be a joke. But I really do feel they're making James into a Jax persona. I won't be um, recapping Vanderpump too much just because I know there's so much going on with Bravo right now. I am trying to keep up with Salt, Salt Lake City and Potomac and also starting um, the new one. Yeah, there is no new one. I was talking about Salt Lake City. <laughs> I will slightly comment here and there if needed, but I just wanted to put that out there. I'm not recapping Vanderpump Rules. Maybe. I'll have to change my mind. It would have to be a big change of a mind. Okay, before we start on this story, I have to dis put a disclaimer that I don't watch Grey's Anatomy. I've probably watched it when it first came out all the way until I want to say fourth or fifth season because it wasn't even that long. It took my high school years because those first two seasons, those soundtracks 
were everything to me. Mm. <laughs> like the the soundtracks were everything. It had Ingrid Michaelson, um, which actually I saw in New York City, and I thought that was such a huge fucking big deal for a little indie me back then to be like, oh my god. Um, the girl who wrote that song, I saw her, and like now the song's being played in Grades Anatomy. Like, that's as far as I'll know about Grades Anatomy, guys. Anyway, did you hear about this podcast, Ellen Pompeo? That's how you say her name, right? Pompeo, yes. She decided to. This is where my mind is kind of crazy and blown and be like, why, girl? She decided to tell a story willingly. Nobody asked for it. She just decided to make herself look really bad on telling this story that thought she thought it was funny. Where Denzel Washington was directing an episode that she really didn't like. Mind you, it's a show. It's not real life. She's describing this part where... She's really angry at the actor when really she's angry at the character that's being written for this actor that she should be upset with. I don't know. It's so strange. You guys have to listen to like to this little segment because not only is she dissing on my Denzel Washington, she just sounds completely dumb, which makes me really sad to say because I kind of liked her before... See, this is why I hate celebrities, guys, because the minute you let these people talk, you're just like, ew, like, ew. They really talk like that and think like that? Like, and so as Denzel's directing this show, mind you, she disclaimed a little disclaimer. She says that she allegedly was going to leave the show at this point, and that's why they brought Denzel Washington to direct this episode, to pretty much save her ass, I guess. I don't know. So she didn't like how this character was portraying, this actor was portraying the character. So she said something, and Denzel, being the director, guys, have if you've never worked in a set, the director is the one who talks, who notions when to stop, who tells you what to do. If you ever were to do something in the background, let alone, like, I've, I've been an assistant director, so <laughs> this is why I get a little, I guess, scared about it. <laughs> about, like, but not scared, but, like, it's kind of a respectful job thing to do. Like, you, you're quiet on the fucking set, right? Anyway, Ellen decided to not, like, say cut, but, like, just budge in and tell this actor that they're doing it wrong. And Denzel was like, hey, you do not talk while I am filming. Like, what are you doing? And then she goes into... Guys, she did this all on her own, and you can listen to this. It's kind of crazy. And I was like, listen, motherfucker, this is my show. This is my set. Who are you telling? Like, you barely know where the bathroom is. And like, you know, I have the utmost respect for him as an actor, as a director, as everything. But like, yo, we went at it one day. And then. Yeah, she said that to Denzel Washington. What? What? So apparently they got into an argument. Oh, my God. Can you? I would love to be the PA during that episode. Can 
do we know any PAs <laughs> that were working during on that film on that set <laughs> during that time? I would love to hear the gossip about it. There's got to be some blind item about it. Anyway, she continues to tell the story about how she went to Denzel Washington's wife because she was there on set later that day and said like, oh, I'm mad at your husband. Yeah, we yelled at each other. It, I can't believe this woman involuntarily told this story for what? To make herself look like she's better than Denzel Washington? Denzel Washington? Bitch, what? Like, yes, you have a TV show that's been on for like 17 years, but Denzel Washington has been on longer than 17 years. And like, for you to come out with this story is really, really sad. Maybe it's my worst week ever. Let's quickly talk about Kylie Swim. So if you don't have TikTok or Twitter or haven't seen Daily Mail because they just love to talk about the Kardashians, I don't know. Have you heard about it? Kylie Swim suits is horribly, horribly made and cheap and sheer and really, really bad. So these bathing suits were kind of expensive. I mean, they're $85 bathing suits. I feel like that's pretty of a great basic bathing suits. It's crazy how, I know, I'm old. I'm calling it bathing suits. It's swimsuits, whatever. But it's crazy how swimsuits are now like $125. And they're literally two pieces. Sometimes they're Remember when bathing suits used to be cost as a whole, like even a bikini would be like, the price of it would be 50 bucks, just like both of them together. Now they're like 50 bucks each. I don't know, am I like aging myself? <laughs> like, telling you guys how old I am. Anyway, Kylie Swim, not only is it like the threading of it was just like the seams were just coming right off. The vagina part, guys is one and a half inches one and a half inches like i'm sorry to be really explicit here but my lips would not fit into that i'm sorry the one and a half inch cloth piece of cloth for yourself down there i saw some of the tiktoks where the women did try it on and they had to have a syringe but the syringe wasn't really a syringe because it was literally a, a scarf I mean, it sucks because the swimsuits do look cute, but you do know these women. Like, I know there was photo shoots of Kylie wearing the bathing suits, but they altered, as they do with all their clothes, they altered those, those bathing suits. And the fact that, uh, are we not learning, are we not learning a lesson here, guys? Like all Kylie Kardashian products, minus the skims, I've heard great things about Kim Kardashian stuff, which I'm not going to pull the trigger, guys. I, I'm not that, I don't need them that much. But the whole Kylie products with the skincare of itself was just horrible when it first came out. Like everyone who, what is in skincare, like dermatologists said, like this was just awful. And like the scrub was, would literally scrape the shit out of your skin. Just like bad reviews and now the swimsuit like 
We talk about Kendall having really bad PR team. <laughs> like, I feel like Kylie just has really bad, like, she, she gives me scam vibes with her products. I just feel like she gets paid for a one and done deal and um, she just gets to put her name on it and she takes that cash and goes. Okay, something I wanted to bring up because Jerry Seinfeld came out this week. I think he was on Jimmy Fallon about his B-movie, how he thinks it was a little too sexualized for a kid's animated movie. Which is like, okay, you notice that, but you don't realize that you were going out with a uh, high schooler, a senior year girl high schooler when you were 39. You think the B-movie is more awkward than you going to prom when you were 39 years old? What's more awkward, guys? The B-movie? Yes, to this day, I don't think I can watch the B-movie. It would be total cringe. But I think, I think the fact that he was dating this 18-year-old for four years is just, we don't talk about it. And the fact that back then, the media kind of normalized it. I did see a People magazine cover of Jerry Seinfeld with Shoshana, that was her name. Guys, she's like a huge um, designer now. She, her, she put her name in use. Um, but then again, she is a well-off girl from New York City, so I'm not surprised. But the fact <laughs> that Jerry Seinfeld, like the fact that people normalized it, the cover said on People Magazine, an unlikely relationship to work out. A 39-year-old Jerry Seinfeld and Shoshana, 19. What the fuck? If we were to see that now, we would be like, yeah, major pedophilia. But then again, look at James Franco. I feel like we give these men too much, too much people. <laughs> and we don't talk about it and we normalize it and it's kind of gross. Ashanti, yes, Ashanti is rebooting her album, self-titled album that came out 20 years ago. I love that album. I was in eighth grade when it came out. That's crazy. And just the melodies with Irv Gotti, Ja Rule. Um, she is a star. But did you know Ashanti basically is on JLo's album? Yeah, she apparently sang I'm Real. Um, I think she also saying she's done a couple of JLo songs so just look it up guys it's really disheartening I love this new podcast called Beyond the Blinds I know I've talked about it before with Kelly and Troy but the fact that they just came out this week with Jenny from the block 
basically blind items about her in early 2000s and finding out that Ashanti basically did almost all her songs and she should have been the star for them is really disappointing. Not only is Ashanti, but there's been certain women who came out who have been under the Tommy Mottola of it all. You know, he's been going to studios, finding girls that had like similar voices to JLo and basically made them do samples and they took those samples and made JLo's album. And these women were being paid under the table behind closed doors. So some of these women were getting paid and then like they did get stopped being paid for it too. And that's why um, these women have came out to say that, hey, that's my voice, not JLo's. Like the don't get it right. I couldn't believe it belongs to this other Latino woman from New York City. And yeah, it's very, it sucks. I mean, it makes sense why back in the day you would see J-Lo lip sync to her music all the time. And I always thought it was because of dance moves. I mean, like, I always understood the choreography and the music just couldn't mix well together. You had to, like, do one or the other. So, um, yeah. And I know people think I love Jennifer Lopez and Ben Affleck being together and I think their love is real guys I don't think their love is real these two are trolling us I'm waiting for a film with them together I want another Jiggly part two I am here for their mess like I love the mess that they're doing right now because everything is PR everything is sponsors to me in my eyes um, I think I just saw photos of them this morning of them um, I guess talking in the car and JLo looked fucking pissed and he's signing Batman autographs. <sighs> See, this is what we want, right? We want, it's, it's boring. I, I find it boring, but it's entertaining while we're living in this hot garbage, um, hell of a pool. But yes, I do have to point out because people really think that I'm like in for this Ben benefer and i'm like yeah i'm in it but i don't think you you know my reasons for it <laughs> like i know it's fake i i know this will end and this is all under jennifer lopez like she always needs a man by her side and you know what you guys need to hear that podcast episode of beyond the blinds with jenny because it will blow your mind for my worst week, I have to give it to Lizzo. The fact that there's a video going around on Twitter of her being so happy. Yes, she looks like she's a little tipsy, but she said what she said, guys. And she said, you are my favorite person to Chris Brown. To Chris Brown, guys. That's what she said. For, before they went to take a picture together. So, I mean, I, there's not enough, that there's nothing else I can say that has, that is the worst thing that has happened to Lizzo. I know she's been having a rough year with her fame and all the media attention, but like, girl, really? Like, I know I gotta be off the wall drunk. I feel like if I were to see 
Chris Brown, I th th those words would not come out of my mouth. Like, I, I would probably be, like, ugh, in disgust. So, yeah, worst week ever to Lizzo. Do you guys hear my freaking baby? I hope you don't hear her. I really hope you don't. For my best week ever, it is to Britney Spears with her conservatorship being suspended right now with Jamie Spears. I know I've been kind of keeping you up tabs with the whole Britney Spears of it all, but I do really recommend on the Dunzo podcast. They do such a great job on every step that's been going on right now, especially in the past. Um, so if you haven't seen the Britney versus Spears, it's on Netflix right now. And that gave a lot of revelations to forego the whole Jamie Spears being suspended of his conservatorship. The fact that he had mics in her room, bedroom, and I just read a blind item that the reason why Britney Spears burnt down her gym was because she found a camera and she wanted to, I mean, I, it's horrible after seeing the documentary as well, the fact that she couldn't buy a pair of Skechers, Britney Spears couldn't buy Skechers. And here are like Lady Gaga and like, I just can't believe like Britney just can't even eat. Like she couldn't even afford sushi when she would go out to dinner with friends. Britney Spears, they would tell her that she couldn't, her people would tell her that she, she couldn't afford sushi. And she wouldn't be allowed to drive her own car, yet everyone that she paid for in staff, mind you, her father and whatnot, who they hired for security, would be driving in like Maseratis. And it's just so sad how this woman is milk dried by her own father. And for what? So it's worth noting that Britney's attorney, uh, Rosengart, argued in court that Jamie suddenly wanted the conservatorship to end so that he would not have to hand over all of his financial paperwork from the past 13 years, which is what he will have to do now. This is why he's suspended and not out of the conservatorship just yet. Britney Spears' lawyer has plans. This is great because... He's not going to get off so easily. If anything, he will have some serious ramifications and he can end up going to jail as long as um, they find keep finding all this stuff that he did illegally. Right now, I also read up that today they went, today, this is Tuesday, guys, um, they searched Britney's house to make sure that there was no spyware, cameras, mics anywhere in her house right now. They're like debugging her house. The fact that they have to do that, it's very disturbing. <clears throat> Jamie Spears, clink clink, bitch. I hope it's funny because, you know, when we heard her in the courtroom where she said she wants to sue her whole family, I hope her family goes to jail. Like, I know we all want Jamie Spears to go to jail, but I want 
Lynn, her mother, to go to jail. I hate how she's always been pictured as mother of the year and it's like, girl, no. If anything, that crown belongs to Jessica Simpson's mom. <laughs> but the fact that their whole family was on her payroll, enabling and allowing this to happen to her, is just so sad. And they really hung her kids. Like, for her, she would do anything just to see her kids, and that's exactly what they did. They took advantage of... The fact that if you see your kids, like if you want to see your kids, you have to do this, that, and that. And that's just terrible. They took years away from her seeing her sons grow up. Like she can't have that back. I don't know what I would do if I wouldn't be able to see my daughter grow up, let alone like live with me. So it's just super sad all around and the fact that she's on vacation now enjoying her engagement and this conservatorship is now actually looking hopeful um yeah best week ever since I've had Britney Spears as my best week ever I feel like three times already maybe more Let's give another Best Week Ever award to Frances Hagen, who is now fighting against Facebook. I know you guys probably had a meltdown when Facebook, Instagram, and WhatsApp went down Monday for five hours. I was actually loving it. I was having a party with all my friends on Twitter, enjoying the fact that those apps were down and people were having meltdowns now. The only sympathy I can give towards the Instagram of it all is the small business owners. Now, small business owners really rely on Instagram and Facebook. And it must have been a real hassle for them to not touch base, get their orders and whatnot. So... That being said, yes, I have sympathy towards that. But everyone else, not really. <laughs> so while people were freaking out, the underlying issue of it all was whistleblower Frances Hagen, who explained to senators today, Tuesday, on how Facebook's algorithms amplify potentially harmful content for young users. And she really thinks that young users are being incredibly cruel to each other by using these online platforms. She basically explained that Facebook values profit over people, which we all pretty much knew. But there was also databases on countries on how they handled certain crises, um, like, for example, January 6th, the riot. She has proof and basically receipts of the data of the whole January 6th. Like, ev everyone who was involved knew what was going to happen, and Facebook was behind of it all. Mind you guys, this is happening when just a few days ago, Instagram... <laughs> 
had their idea of having teenagers or kids have their own Instagram, that whole idea was taken down. I mean, would you, that is like Jeffrey Epstein kind of shit. At the end of the day, we just want accountability and no one's currently holding Mark Zuckerberg accountable. The fact that Mark Zuckerberg is in hold of two most worldwide used apps, Facebook and Instagram and WhatsApp, right? Yeah. For it to shut down, the it's used so worldwidely, it's not just nationwide and maybe just maybe this one guy shouldn't be in charge of these huge apps. Maybe we should have breaking them up, <laughs> broke them up. You know, um, I bet Jack Dorsey was having a great day yesterday. The fact that maybe a lot of people signed up for Twitter because <laughs> Twitter was not down. Snapchat wasn't down. I don't think people were using Snapchat though. People were saying that they wanted to go back to MySpace and MySpace is still up guys. It, it's great for music to this day. But while you were distracted at the fact that your favorite app wasn't available at the time, just remember that behind those smoke and marrows closed doors, there is something criminal going on. So before we go, I kind of wanted to talk about a few things. Um, one of them is Katie Couric. She is coming out with a new book uh, this month and already the New York Post has come out with an article citing how awful she is. She must have been really hard to work with, especially if you were a woman alongside with her. She was a guy's girl, dissing every woman in her group and highlighting abusers like Matt Lauer and Jeffrey Epstein. This woman is that woman at work, if you know what I'm talking about. She comes off as not supporting women, and that is just awful that to this day, apparently she still is backing up Matt Lauer. Ooh. And since we were on the topic of Denzel Washington, I highly recommend her being featured on Danny Pellegrino's podcast, Everything Iconic with Danny Pellegrino, where he interviews her and she tells this bizarre story about Denzel Washington. Yeah, worth a listen. I also wanted to talk about Willie Garson, fellow Jerseyan, passed away September 21st at age 57. I've known him as Stanford from Sex and the City, like everyone else, Carrie's gay best friend. Even though Willie himself is straight, yeah, he is straight, guys. He duped me too. He never accused the fact that he is straight playing a gay character because he feared of offending the gay community. While he was battling pancreatic cancer, um, bittersweet, no one really wants this third sex in the city, but now knowing that he's in it, you have to kind of watch it, you know, Samantha not being in it for one is what's making me turn away. And plus, since paparazzi has been following the production of it this whole entire summer, I feel like I already know the movie 
like I already know what's going to happen but if you're not like me who's always looking at blind items I, I doubt <laughs> you know what's going on with the movie and thank you for sticking this long if you uh, remember the beginning of this podcast the song all the things you said by Tattoo was playing. Well, guess what, guys? They are having an amazing reunion, these two Russian girls who, by the way, had like a really bad, awful breakup. I would look it up. It's worth the read. And for them to have a reunion, I mean, I won't be going, but it would be cool to see if it was a live stream of it. I'd watch it. And that is it for this week check me out next week guys i will be there not gonna diss you like that like a fast one i know i can probably come off pretty flaky in trying to get out my episodes but trust me when i tell you i really want these episodes to come out well and like done perfectly uh i am really hard on myself so when the episodes are out and they just don't flow i get super in my head so please give a girl some time otherwise i will check you guys out next week bye